0: Welcome to the Good Bad Mad podcast, a show that's here to share the ins and outs of creative careers, connecting the aspirational with the experienced, with your host, me, Meg Ellis. My guest for this episode is the wonderful actor Alex Hassel, notable for his roles in The Boys, Joel Cohen's Tragedy of Macbeth, and Netflix's Cowboy Bebop. We chat through his journey into acting with the tips and tricks he's picked up along the way. Hope you enjoy.
1: Hi. Hello. Hi, how are you doing? Oh,
0: good. How are you, Alex? Or Emma, I should
1: call you. Well, yeah, this is my female Odriga. No, it's my wife's name. I forgot to change it. <laughs> how are
0: you doing,
1: Alex? I'm very well, thank you. How are you? I'm
0: good. I've
1: listened to a, I've listened to a couple of episodes and I thought they were. Me. No, no, absolutely. I like I, it was great. It's really, really fascinating stuff.
0: You're the first one who's listened to stuff. Which <laughs> else did you listen to?
1: Um, a brilliant, the director of Skater Girl.
0: Oh, she was so fantastic. Yeah,
1: she was really, really great.
0: What she did with the skate park in Rajasthan was really? so interesting. And yeah, she just really. popped out a baby doing another film. I was like,
1: yeah. was incredible. So
0: what I'd love to do is just kind of dig into your kind of career history and figure out
1: sure. why
0: you went into acting, when you decided to do that, and what yeah. the journey was like on the way. Sound okay? Sure.
1: Yeah, yeah, great.
0: That's it, so let's start at the very beginning
1: mm-hmm.
0: um, before I start singing sound music. Um, yeah, when did you kind of catch the acting bug? Yeah, the
1: idea of acting, so I was 12 years old. Um, I mean, I remember incredibly clearly. I had no concept of the idea of being an actor or anything like that. didn't have a history of going to the theater or my family wouldn't, you know, not that's not kind of stuff that we did. Mm-hmm. This is in Essex, I went to see an amateur Musical of the Rock Nativity, which is, you know, not a known... (laughs) It's written by the people that wrote the theme tune to Neighbours.
0: Um, Okay, notable work there.
1: Yeah, uh, exactly. And um, it was a youth thing, so it was people my own age. Uh, And I think I just saw... I mean, I very glibly say that there were... It was the realising that there were two groups of people in a room, one group looking at the other group, and I was in the wrong group, essentially. But... um, I don't know that that's really true. I think it was the camaraderie and the fun that they seemed to, you know, be having, and I guess the imaginative play. And I just instantly, that was it. From that moment on, that was it. And um, came out of the theatre, and we looked in the local paper for, you know, local groups. That one was a bit too far away, and this group were auditioning for Bugsy Malone, and that was one of my favourite films. And I got the part I of Bugsy Malone. Um, yeah, exactly. And. Uh, And that just really kind of cemented it for me. And and then every spare moment I had after that was doing musicals, dancing lessons, singing lessons, acting lessons, um, until I basically joined the National Youth Music Theatre and then started to go to the um, Junior Guild Hall School of Music and Drama on Saturdays and did much more complicated acting um, in terms of Shakespeare and um Webster and but then contemporary playwrights and Mark Ravenhill and like really challenging stuff and um and then went to drama school yeah um
0: so you caught the bug early
1: yeah really early and and that was it you know that was absolutely without question it and the reason that I did singing lessons I mean I enjoyed singing and dancing but really I think I've always wanted to act primarily I just wanted any chance to be involved essentially Mm -hmm. i sort of wanted to spread my opportunities to kind of you know get some avenue into it as I as much as i could
0: so when it came to the kind of decisions of like oh do i go to university or do an apprenticeship or
1: yeah there was never that was never a question that
0: wasn't a question
1: am i going to go to uh, well i'm going to try and get in anyway to an acting drama school or a musical theater one or a dance School. My dance teachers. Not many. You know, it's harder to get young men dancing, I think, than it is young women. Yeah. So they were, you know, quite keen on me doing that, but I just knew I wanted to be an actor. So, um, yeah, no, ne- never. It was always drama school for me. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Stuck your heels in from the very start.
1: <laughs> yeah. But you went to Central. I went to Central. That's right. I auditioned for RADA, Guildhall, and Central, and only got into Central. And I think that was. You know, I was really excited to go there. I had a brilliant time. I had a really, really brilliant time. I think it, any drama school experience really depends on your year and what you, how you gel or don't, the personalities in that. Um, And what, you know, everyone is sort of bringing, what baggage everyone is bringing with them, I think. I had a fantastically talented year. Um, And from my point of view, we all got on certainly well enough, you know. um, and I just learned an absolute tonne, uh, to get to act all the time and to with people that were better than me, a lot better than me, you know. Um, and to really be pushed and to have people really challenging you and playing parts, you playing parts that you're not capable of playing and that are out of your range. You know, you're not going to be cast in them and just too difficult adult part. You know, I played King Lear at drama school, that's an incredibly difficult part. Um, And people really watching you like a hawk and, Mm. you know, um, trying to not allow you to fall back on tricks or bullshit. um, I absolutely loved. And also, I needed to work on my voice. I would lose my voice all the time. So I needed to, it was placed wrong kind of in my body and my posture and stuff. So Mm. I had to work on that a lot. But, you know, every morning I would come in and do an hour long, you know, or half an hour vocal warm up or whatever.
0: Because you're, what i would think of as what i call an rsc boy like you've
1: got
0: (laughs) like you've got the like really kind of traditional training like you're talking about that with like vocal training and stuff you've not just like popped up on a tv screen and gone ta-da i'm here Um, like you fall back on these kind of techniques and and lessons that you've learned in in training across Mm. the years. so like is there kind of a couple of like standout lessons from from or techniques from that time that you kind of find yourself leaning back on
1: well i would say everything i know about shakespeare i didn't learn at drama school mm-hmm. um i learned that when i was working uh, at the globe mainly yeah. and then with tim carol and, and mark rylance um uh so but from drama school i still do lots of the same vocal warm-up uh, you know, I still that I've worked out what works for me, and so I still do a lot of that. Mm. Um, I did actually. I just did this job for Netflix called Cowboy Bebop, and I actually went to the zoo and looked at an animal for the first time since drama school. Um, we did a ton of that at drama school, and I sometimes think about that, but it's not like it's in no way a sort yeah. of central plank of my work. But I did in this instance. Um, Wait, which animal? Now, a lizard, um, a bunch of lizards.
0: For vicious,
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. And uh, in the end, I think I use, you know, you sort of look at it and you use it, and well, i me anyway. In this instance, I thought about it for a while, and you let it, in, you know, push you to the next stage if you're thinking about it, rather than being on set thinking I must be a lizard. If you know what I mean, um, but it was in terms of the angles of his head and how he used his eyes in a separate way from the angles of his head and things like that. Yeah. Um, uh laban i think about i don't use it all the time but we did laban at drama school which was really fascinating and i toy with that and think about that in a fairly light way but i've actually been for some weird reason thinking about it recently and that i'd like to explore using that more um so it's more like tech like um, ways of approaching stuff as opposed to specific kind of yeah. tricks or lessons, yeah. Kind of but when they it. say about drama school and they say about training, which I think is right, is that you use your instincts basically and then when they run out or you're in trouble, then you sort of use your training or your toolkit, as it were, you know.
0: So when you were at Central, I yeah. mean, nowadays, the, the general consensus is you go to drama school in order to make those connections. You do the showcase and um, hopefully get an agent and and stuff off the back. Was that the case for you?
1: Well, I was really, really lucky in that I, because of the National Youth Music Theatre, got an agent. I sort of informally signed with an agency and they were very up for me going to drama school. So they looked after me while I was at drama school and I did like auditions and little bits of jobs in the summer holidays and stuff. And then they officially took me on as we kind of went into the third year. So I had that sort of protection of not sort of shitting myself in the way as many other people might um, in the third year. Um, but still, yeah, you want doing the showcases and the shows, you're desperate for all of the casting directors to come. And yeah, suddenly all the people that you are friends with, you're still friends with them, but suddenly they're competition or you're trying to work out how you're going to I don't know how you're thought of or might be thought of or not, or and I think a really big thing that I've thought about since in terms of drama school, which I think is something that drama schools and students should be kind of aware of and careful of, is that fairly naturally. I mean it would be I think you could avoid it and it would be good if you could avoid it, but it's a hierarchy establishes itself uh, at drama school. and it's very easy to think that that is representative of how it will be in real you know in the real world of work that the people that are at the top of the hierarchy or that are perceived that they're going to do really really well mm. will and that's just this it doesn't work like that <laughs> you know it's, <laughs> not, it's just it's not a meritocracy the acting industry is not a meritocracy no and its tastes are not the same tastes as you know drama schools individuals tastes are you know very mm. different so it's um it's all up and down on, all over the place. So that's the you
0: thing. Play. You kind of are at the whim of what shows are around or what um, films are being made. And then you say Definitely. it's a personal choice on top of that. It is quite a wild beast that you're all trying to tame and then somehow it's be- kind of become this competition element. Um, well, yeah. it's
1: a massively, massively oversubscribed industry. Mm-hmm. Um, and there are by an enormous margin, not enough jobs for everyone who wants them. Mm. Um, and the reasons that one will get a job are completely sort of unknowable. I mean, some of it is your ability and your rightness, but when you're looking at a part, you're like, I'm right. You know, if you think you're right for this part, you imagine yourself into it. And then you've got to realise that you might not be someone else's right mm-hmm. for that part. And, that can take some time to um, be okay with.
0: Yeah, I mean, is is that something you have to learn?
1: Oh, yeah, still have to learn it, yeah. It's a constant, you know, that's one of the bits that's really difficult in terms of rejection and that stuff. You know, um, you do get the door slammed in your face over and over and over and over and over, and And I think probably you do forever. I I think unless you're in the top, you know, 0.0001%, you know, things get easier, I think, as you get more established and stuff. Um, But yeah, I mean, for me, I think a big journey of being an actor is is uh, trying to have sound mental health in what is a a ludicrously unhealthy endeavor. Um, It's sort of like an abusive relationship, I think, in terms of you get a tiny bit of light or a very bright bit of light shone on you and you think, oh my god, this is like the best. This is everything I've ever wanted. This like entirely uh, makes me feel that everything that I had liked to think of myself as being could be the case. Mm-hmm. And then it gets shut off, and you'll sort of undergo almost any degradation <laughs> to attempt to get that light to shine on you again. You know. And I think the key is to not make that light be the thing that is your self esteem. I think it the self esteem has to come from life and normal you know normal things as well as that stuff sure but you know everything out everything internal and your relationships and uh that stuff and then be lucky enough also to get to do work and to feel you know engaged and excited by that work
0: do you try and separate alex the man from alex the actor then
1: i did once consider So my real name is Alexander Hassel, but I'm Alex Hassel. I did once go, I wonder if I should have had a stage name, just so that there was some internal separation. Um, No, I don't. But I do try and... I do work very hard on... on, I'm quite reflective as a person in general. I, I think a lot about, you know, how did I look after myself in these circumstances or did I look after other people in such circumstances? Mm -hmm. I've been to a lot of therapy and I think that, I think you don't get into the acting industry unless you have something that you're trying to make up for or something. You know, it's a pretty weird choice. Um,
0: Yeah, I think- I I
1: think it is really useful to try and work on yourself and, and, and find as much joy and contentment and delight in life. And- Count yourself lucky. I mean, this is such an L.A. thing to say, but gratitude at the moment is, is, is really important, I think, to mm-hmm. feel very lucky for any opportunity that you get um, rather than why isn't it that other thing that I haven't got? Mm-hmm. I think that's unhelpful. And of course, it's easier to say if your opportunities are greater, but nonetheless... Uh, I mean,
0: comparison is, is vicious nowadays. Yeah. Um, I think one of my previous podcast guests described, it, described the industry as a game of snakes and ladders. And it's, I
1: just, it's it's snakes and is, yeah it's next yeah
0: um metaphor really for um for this industry like say you're at top one second and then you're not and yeah it's very difficult to separate that from um your self-esteem as you're saying and i think that's why so many young creators fall off this path that they're so yeah. keen to to follow is because they just can't can't cope with that so um
1: well, I, I, uh, something else that I've had to think a lot about is, you know, and this is, uh, in, I think, in relationships in general and stuff, as you get older, that you have to be ready for the fact that things will be a bit disappointing, mm-hmm. that you assume that there'll be everything. If you get finally into those rooms or whatever, they will be everything you've ever wanted them to be and they will meet you exactly with the amount of work and care and stuff that you aim to put into it. And, you know, that's not always the case. And you have to learn how to, to sort of deal with that.
0: So, so those first few years after you're graduating, what, what's that like? How, how are you um, getting through that kind of minefield of those?
1: Yeah, it was very mixed for me. I mean, I really, really loved kind of coming out and having auditions and, the possibility of, you know, there's everything to play for at that time. Um, and reading scripts and imagining, you know, working on parts, even though that's just for an audition. Mm-hmm. Uh, and getting getting jobs, getting bits of work, small, you know, scenes or lines or ninth person from the left and stuff that I was very happy to do. and um, And then bits of theatre, so it's, you know, adverts, TV, bits of theatre, And then being out of work and working in a bar and working in restaurants working at the reception of a members club Mm -hmm. and then getting lucky for a bit and you know having something happen that you think is going to change everything and then it doesn't change everything but nonetheless it was a really brilliant time and um but through it all we reached a point I reached a point where I just wanted to be challenged more frequently. I just, as in I find every job a challenge. It's not that they're not challenging and I mean an act, being an actor in general is a challenge in a different way. <laughs> but I just wanted to be pushed and um, scrutinized and get be made to get the best out of myself. So we set up a company, we set up a theatre company, um a friend factory, of mine right? factory that's right, yeah. Um
0: And you started
1: with Shakespeare. Started with Hamlet, that's right. Um, So Mm -hmm. me and Tim Evans, who was in my year, set that up. And we enlisted Tim Carroll, who directed me at The Globe. Um, And the main reason that we did that was so that every week, it happened to be Wednesdays, we could get together and work on this really, really, really difficult piece of writing with the best actors that we knew. And this director who was really, Profoundly exciting in terms of the way that he thought about acting and put the creative onus on you as an actor, you have to do everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was amazing because we really did get that practice. We did put our whatever it is, 10,000 hours in, um, mm-hmm. and you can grow and learn, and there was a sense of community. Um, and so even if you went to auditions, it felt a bit like a Fight Club in a way that, you know, that your sense of self and also I'm good. Like I did in, on Wednesday, I did something that was really good and I really felt that it was really good and everyone thought it was really good and it was really good. You know, I believed that it was really good. So it makes it a lot easier to go into a demeaning advert casting and sort of whore yourself out.
0: (laughs) It sounds like very similar to to kind of what we're doing with Good and Bad Mad. It was tricky, you felt alone. So you built like this little community to yeah. try and support your ventures and get what you actually wanted out of the industry and kind of do all the stuff it expects of you along the <laughs>
1: same way. Well, actually, it was it was taking the industry out of it. That was the idea. It was saying, why, would, why is it that you only get to act mm-hmm. if you subscribe or are lucky or sort of, you know, chosen by this industry that has no feelings and has no sort of human face? that seems unfair. A painter can just paint. Mm-hmm. Uh, a, you know, a, music, a composer can compose. As an actor, you you can't do it in a vacuum. So it was to take the industry out of it and to just make it about your engagement with your craft. I grew so much as an actor um, through doing it because you got to fail as well over and over um, and take risks. And see what your kind of fallback positions were, and something that really was important to me was that I feel that I for the first time, spoke f- with my actual like from my center, and I don't really mean the tone of my voice. I mean from a place that seemed like it was truthfully coming from somewhere inside of me um and that. Mm-hmm. was uh felt like a big development
0: so you felt more grounded in yourself
1: you know? i guess so and i had more self-belief i think mm-hmm. i mean it wanes but um
0: well it always will it's it's yeah. it, it, that's just being human but <laughs> if you can try and get this um acknowledgement of it up and down and this kind of compassion for yourself. I think that's the, the, the key. Yeah, I agree. Amazing, so you, you really kind of found your feet in theatre.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: And then what was it like kind of first trying out those TV shows or or, or films? Oh, well, I did a little did bit. What did the kind of um, circuit in terms of like British TV.
1: I did, yeah, I did sort of some guest spots on stuff like Tortured and Murphy's Law and and that kind of thing yeah Miranda Miranda, that's true
0: like these were like brilliantly yeah I was on the bill
1: too yeah um I had a really brilliant time on the bill actually um yeah I mean they were very very spread out all of those things so but I feel I've only just started to really know what I'm doing on camera and But when I was young, I didn't know that I didn't know what I was doing, which I think is probably good. Um, I loved it. I've always wanted as much as I started in theatre and I love theatre and will continue to love theatre. I've always I watch films. I watch films all the time and TV. Mm -hmm. I've always wanted to be part, part of that. So it was really, really exciting. I mean, it's incredibly overwhelming to begin with because you just don't understand what any, what any of the processes are, what any of the machinery is, who any of the people are, what a call sheet is, where you're supposed to go, when you're supposed to go there. It's incredibly overwhelming. So yeah. I was very lucky in one of my early jobs that these older actors, I just said, I don't know anything, I don't know anything. Please <laughs> tell me anything that you've what got time to best, tell me. The
0: best way is just to admit you don't know what you're yeah. doing. yeah like i think some people are
1: a bit too stiff up a lip about it sometimes yeah i still uh i still am like that and i it depends on the job sometimes i don't want to admit to, you know it doesn't feel that helpful to admit that i don't know certain things but i still ask questions uh, i ask a lot of questions of different people in the crew but um i had the great fortune of working with joel cohen recently and i would ask him tons about uh technical stuff and do you I mean, why like, wouldn't you do you is there a sort of acting or a sort of actor or some sort of approach that you find useful or like in an edit is this more useful than that and those mm-hmm. those sorts of things um and i think it gets easier to admit to be open to that you know uh not knowing something if you feel more secure <laughs> that you're not a sort of competition winner in terms of being somewhere yeah
0: so you say you feel a bit more grounded in it now. What Can you kind of put a finger on what those things are for like someone who's just emerging into TV or film with a camera shoved in their face for the first time?
1: Well, I, um, I think a, a lot of it, for me anyway, has been about knowing myself mm-hmm. um, and the ways in which I the difficulties I might have that might prevent me from doing my job in the best possible way and the things that I kind of get for free without thinking about it so I feel that I really need to I don't want to be told off like I don't want to waste money or time I don't want to get in trouble like I'm just that's sort of how I'm oh <laughs> unfortunately God, okay. so if me
0: yeah
1: exactly <laughs> so and I don't and I get paranoid that the crew will whisper that I don't know what I'm doing but also because of the sort of acting that I, the, my, my approach to acting, partly because of the factory is very much about liveness and one's impulses and spontaneity and stuff. <clears throat> I want to be able to get to that point of inhibi- inhibition in front, of, uh, you know, on set and with cameras and stuff. So for me, I had to learn, read a lot and learn a lot about the technique of filmmaking about um, the, what, how you can change your approach, depending on where the camera is and the size of the shot, if the camera is moving or not, when they're racking focus or not, the sort of tone and style of the shooting and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, I had to just read loads um, and then watch films and make loads of notes, watch people's performances and see, you know, what they were doing technically and what they weren't watch people on set I made like a cheat sheet for myself and would take it on set and you know worked out a process for myself that involved you know in between line up to rehearsal to the first take and just understanding my processes and stuff and then watching playback and seeing if it did make a difference or not in the way that I hoped um yeah and then a lot of it is realizing that I can overthink and that I can get paranoid. So it's useful for me to stay on set, to talk to the crew, to get to know the crew, to stay in the sort of machinery of everything moving around, to understand the shots, to ask what the shots are going to be. Yeah, um, And also to talk, if I can talk to the director beforehand about what I'm thinking of in terms of my, you know, this is what I think the character is going through. If I think there's props or stuff I need to work with to try and get that as early as possible so that, I'm not anxious about those sorts of things on the yeah.
0: day. Okay, I'm really intrigued about this cheat sheet now.
1: Well, as I take stuff off it, as I feel that I have got started to get it into my bones. Mm-hmm. Um, so in terms of the size of shots and what that means, I feel I understand that a bit more. And in terms of the camera moving, I understand that a bit more.
0: So are you, are you talking about like, okay, if they're doing a wide shot, I need to have bigger physical movements but less on the face or something
1: like that If it is very very wide um I guess it's a question of what they're trying to do with the shot is Mm -hmm. it about you being isolated in space um -hmm. and therefore you being small in the frame it doesn't you're kind of the way that you move is not as important as just the fact that you're this small thing in a big frame Mm -hmm. but if it's about it's something expressive then you you can like I suppose if you're in a massive, massive posse-arch theater, you might potentially you know have more expansiveness or whatever. I mean, I think that's fairly old-fashioned actually, but that you can that actually things just seem a bit dead if you're this tiny little ant that's not moving and it, it's supposed to be an expressive thing, you can move around more and things like that. Um, and then as the camera gets closer, it's things like if you're in if you're in a two-shot, which means there's two of you and it's about the ways that you're responding to one another and you can overlap each other's dialogue and it's about the connection between the two of you if you're by yourself it's about you not being connected necessarily in the same way and also if it's really close it's as if the i mean this is very general and you know people use these things in different ways but if it's very close it's about actually being able to sort of reveal stuff that you wouldn't see, you don't you're not privileged to see usually in a conversation. That it's about sort of getting into the inside the character's head. So it's not like you would, it's not quite real. It's about sort of showing the audience something and then hiding it and that kind of thing. Um, and then, like depending on where the boom is, how loud you might speak, um, if the camera's really close to your face you and therefore the microphone is really close to you you might speak much more quietly and it will feel much more intimate like you're sort of next to someone in bed yeah if the camera is far away and the boom is far away those kind of things
0: before every shot then you're you're taking note of of all these things you're not just going through your lines you're you're going
1: this is what I'm trying to learn and I'm trying to remember that most importantly I should look after my character and being truthful um but for me it's as I say, it's I like to know the rules mm. um, so that there's no point in doing something amazing if it's not caught on camera or you know or um, or if I get some idea to do something and the camera is static and can't follow me, then there's no point in doing that thing. Nah. you know, it's those sorts of things. Um, yeah, I mean, I love it. I mean, I'm sort of That's like you're quite the-
0: into like the whole technical,
1: yeah, but I don't I don't I'm not you know, so I'm work with some actors who are incredibly technically minded and gifted in that way and I actually don't want to perform like that I just want to know what the rules are so then, then I know how free I am or not yeah. that, and it's about sort of where you place the expression of your impulses and your spontaneity and your freedom in that if the camera is just on my face mm. there's no point expressing all of that in my hands or my feet for example yeah. um, and it and nothing of that playing on my face yeah um, that kind of thing I so putting
0: the energy into the right place
1: yeah i think so yeah basically i did a number of jobs and i thought by osmosis i would learn this stuff and then and then after the jobs i was like, i still don't know anything i still feel like i and i um and i can see people are doing stuff you know i started to get to work with people who were very very experienced on camera and all like, right they're doing stuff and i've asked them about it but they don't seem to be able to articulate it yeah
0: um
1: so the first one when i start to read a lot more and work a lot more in that way it was the boys mm. which is this American Amazon thing. Um and then um and then I yeah and I tried to do that a lot more on Cowboy Bebop. I mean that was the style of that was very unusual. So it,
0: that's gonna are, I mean a, say both uh, of those shows are unusual. Well I mean in the yeah. the boys you can't see your face so I'm guessing you're having to put a lot of energy into <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> okay. in
1: you could see my face is what I was doing that. Yeah. And Macbeth, um, Macbeth. I didn't watch the monitor at all in Macbeth, but I, but I definitely felt I was understanding. I could think less about that stuff now because I felt I, like I just am now kind of getting it a bit more. Yeah. More about a re- the relationship with the camera, I suppose. Mm. Um, and I, instead of being afraid of that relationship, I now love that relationship yeah. and love the connection that you have with the camera and so. what is being seen or not seen.
0: I love it you've educated yourself so of something so you're no longer afraid of it
1: that's my um you know I think it will be it's scary and I think um not and I think that can be useful um but I'd like to have that vulnerability about the helpful things as opposed to unhelpful, <laughs> unhelpful <laughs> things. um yeah and also the more I understand the more I can collaborate yeah or the more I can uh, Work with the director and camera crew and and stuff to tell the story and and to communicate um, or hide or um, or surprise them or myself and the other actors. Um,
0: am i am I right in saying the voice was a bit of a new um, scope for you in terms of stuff you're doing as an actor like fight scenes and um,
1: yeah, I mean, it was. I guess it was the. Uh, it was in a, the first kind of, what felt like a slightly budget American thing. I to think that I had done
0: budget stuff. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Um, well, it was also the first time I'd entered that whole kind of show runnery machinery thing. So that was interesting too. And I was right at the beginning of it, so got to sort of see a bit more of that. Um, yeah it felt uh, and also the respect the number of people that saw it and the, like that liked it was a lot more than a, a bunch of other stuff I've been part of so that was interesting
0: well, I mean yeah it's a famous comic book but I guess you're gonna have the same with Cowboys.
1: cowboy Be-Bow. oh yeah I mean according to current Netflix polls I guess a lot of people are watching it I don't know how many that means or what that Sort of translates to, but um, yeah, I do, you know, it's fun to think about and frightening to think about, and sort of oh, uh, no,
0: don't overthink it, never overthink yeah. <laughs> <that.
1: Yeah.
0: laughs> definitely not. So, with Vicious, you got the wig and everything,
1: yeah, yeah, okay. we're getting um, lots of um, you mean, have I got the wig here? I don't have the wig, no, no, but you, you got know. to wear them. <laughs> I had a wig and an amazing costume, and I did lots of physical training and yeah. fight. Fight um training and everything, yeah, yeah, it was amazing. It was oh, a, yeah. that was a really big you know, new different thing for me to do to have a personal trainer and to um, learn a new skill. Um, what
0: kind of style were they teaching you? So I had a
1: katana sword, a Japanese samurai sword. So um, uh, not that we went down the formal route. I mean, that's yeah. a lifetime's work. Um, but yeah, how we created his own sort of fighting style, but looking economical and handy uh, and confident with that was a great pleasure to learn yeah i l- absolutely loved it
0: i bet i always think that would be the funnest bit about being an actor is learning that kind of new skill
1: yeah i think because i used to dance and everything too i hadn't really used my body in that way for such a long time and it really awakened that in me and also we were just so incredibly lucky in i mean to get any sort of job is lucky uh, a job that i was excited about and that um you know put food on the table mm-hmm. and we were in new zealand which is an amazing place but then we were in new zealand during covid yeah all of our partners basically came with us because of covid oh good and okay. yeah and i got to learn this new skill and you know i just felt so exceptionally lucky uh, and quite really good oh <laughs> how, yeah how rare that sort of um meeting point of amazing situations is um, yeah, it was it was pretty jammy.
0: When when you're looking for the next role and stuff, are you always trying to find that like little new bit?
1: It's just, I
0: don't think
1: too much, or I don't yet have the choice to think too much about that. It's more just, do I am I interested in this? Do yeah. I think the writing is good? Do I think it's psych- psychologically interesting mm. and something that I could enjoy trying to delve into ideally it will scare me and Mm -hmm. ideally it will be I will feel like I get that and I understand I can get somewhere with it but I don't understand it because it's really complicated Mm -hmm. and complex um, and would take some work
0: did you Uh, have that with vicious
1: yeah yeah I mean the scripts weren't all there came as we were doing it so I didn't have the whole part but certainly, to attempt to understand that frame of mind, yeah, um, that is not my frame of mind, <laughs> so uh, <laughs> to, <laughs> yeah, to um, to try and get one's head around that and to make him human, try and make him human and layered and mm. um, as many you know, as multi dimensional as possible. Depending on the, I just have, I just am pretty choosy about what that is because it's a, I put a lot of myself into it, mm. um and i don't want to put all of that into something that i don't really believe in so you know it's well, I, think,
0: I think that kind of brings us back to like the mental health element doesn't it it's yeah. like you've got to know that what you're stepping into if that's literally putting your mind into a character or if it's putting yourself into a healthy environment with mm. good collaborators or something you've got you've got to make these choices open, like with open eyes
1: mm. yeah and it's the um it's the balance of what's the material and what would that I mean that's the main thing what's the material and who are the people that are doing it um and how fulfilling is that likely to be you don't know what the alchemy of those situations are going to be of course but does it hold psychological water is like the you know the kind of main thing um papering over cracks is not fun that's not a sort of fun job um and then, you know, how does it currently fit in with life as well? I mean, that's a hard, that's hard to, and it's hard to balance that. And sometimes it's like, this doesn't fit in with life at all, but I have to do this. <laughs> like, there's no, this is why I'm an actor, you know. Um, and then sometimes it's like, this will just fit in really well with kind of needing a new bathroom or, uh, <laughs> so. Uh, those
0: horrible life yeah. things that you can't go with at the same time. Yeah. I th- I think that's one of the hardest things being like, a creative is balancing your imagination with reality. Um,
1: yeah.
0: I, th- I think that's really part of the goal. And from from what you've been saying, it it sounds like it takes a while to to get there. Like a healthy while. It's a journey. It's not yeah. something you're gonna you find overnight.
1: No. Well, it just depends on your psychological makeup, I guess. Yeah. Um, and I think people are content with different things i am philosophical and reflective but very very ambitious mm-hmm. i um as i say i don't get a great amount of pleasure over stuff that i find um not as deep i guess or not as complicated or I'm, i'm like i mean i'm well up for doing comedy and doing light stuff but as in it as in holding psychological water or something to explore or put myself into. Yeah. And those roles are not, they don't come up all the time. And But some people, and I don't mean just, because I, I think whatever makes you happy is fantastic. I'm in no way judgmental about what people's choices are. But I know people that just love acting. They just, you know, if it's a job and they get to act, that's great. And I i mean, I sort of wish that's how I felt. Um but um yeah i don't know i uh i i feel actually physically if i'm trying to put myself and i say put myself through it's not like i'm a method actor i just mean as in you're trying to sort of steer your emotional imagination through a set of stuff that is fabricated obviously if the sort of channel or whatever let's say is bullshit and you have to paper over stuff it feels physically horrendous to do (laughs) like i sort of it feels really exposing and and i just don't enjoy that so i sort of um it means that there's a certain load of jobs i can't really do
0: there's nothing worse than feeling ill-fitting yeah whether that's not prepared for a role or not understanding your role or just like you say not knowing how to work on set like there's nothing worse than that so I think like educating yourself or practice is always always the way
1: to (laughs) go about it yeah
0: so okay big question time someone comes up to you and says Alex I want to be an actor tell me how what (laughs) what what advice do you do you give them nowadays
1: yeah, I haven't been asked that in a while. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, pra- practice, uh, try, and, try and find a way in which you can just be doing it all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, try and find a way that you can feel engaged with it outside of the whims of the industry, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Um, and be ready for be you know work on resilience (laughs) and being really realistic and i don't mean not being hopeful or ambitious or um positivity uh, is enormously important um but i'd say any naivety will be sort of will will dry up fairly quickly um unless you're super lucky and i would you know be lucky you know try and get lucky i don't know how that happens but um yeah, I, uh, I mean, I would say I, I want to be, you know, really clear and say that I love acting when it's when it's working in the right way. I've had many experiences that I am profoundly grateful for and had absolutely incredibly nourishing enriching times mm-hmm. um it's just sometimes all the bullshit around it is really difficult uh, yeah. but when you kind of get to do the stuff it's like fucking hell this is why you know this is this is um you're you you're willing to sort of go through all the other stuff to get to this um yeah and I definitely am having more experiences that are Exceptionally exciting and um and and nourishing, yeah.
0: Okay, so takeaways: cut through the bullshit and do and practice what you actually love doing.
1: Yeah. So I heard something. I heard um I think Matthew Reese was quoting Tony Hopkins or something, mm. and he said, um, "Don't go to the parties; just act." Um, and <laughs> I would slightly caveat that in that sometimes the parties are really fun, but <laughs> you don't do it, don't do it for the parties. No. Um, as in and don't expect them to be fun. And um I think I don't know, it's it's pretty simplistic, but I'd say there's something really in that. Yeah. Um, and try and be true to yourself. Like try and try and well, again, a director said to me really, really early on, career doesn't exist. Just do something do stuff you're interested in as best you can and I think I've definitely made choices in the past because I thought that they would be good for my career Mm -hmm. that weren't and were not fun either whereas you can do something that you just want to do and then it doesn't really matter necessarily (laughs) if it's good for your career
0: I completely agree I think that's exactly the way
1: that's it. I think the very thing sometimes that is the thing that's really difficult is exactly the same thing as that what's really great is that I don't know what's around the corner. I don't know where I'm going to go next year. I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know how much money I'm going to earn. I don't know what the experiences are going to have. I don't know which countries I'm going to travel to. I don't know when I'm going to see my friends and my family. That's really, really difficult. But also, I don't know which country I'm going to go to. That's really, really cool and exciting.
0: It's between the unknown and it being terrifying and exciting at the same time, which I think yeah. is a brilliant point. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: I think it's great fun. Alex, thank you so, so much. It's been thank so lovely so to that. chat with you. Uh,
1: and you too. Thanks I so know. much.
0: Thank you for listening to this episode of the Good, Bad, Mad podcast. Please subscribe to check out the next episode or leave a review if you liked it. You can find us on Instagram at goodbadmad or at goodbadmad.com for additional resources and information. See you next time.